Hello and welcome back to another Mean Green Podcast. We're on episode 7 now. And it is a lovely day in Denton, Texas. 73 degrees, a little breezy. I'm feeling good. As always, my co-host Milo is with me. How are you today, my friend? I'm doing great. Like I always say, it's my favorite time of the week. Another Mean Green Podcast recording time. It, it is a grand time when AMGP records. And we've kind of gotten consistent with recording on Wednesdays because I'm not going to lie to you, those first three episodes we were recording like whatever day but wednesdays have kind of established themselves is the another mean green podcast day there you go but i don't know what you've been up to this week man uh work work and work i've been very busy with work and Mm. i don't want to bore you with it but uh, it's been a lot um that's just client facing work that i'm I'm having to do but i'm glad to finally be able to step away from it for a little bit there you go uh, do do some do some uh, pastime things. Escapism, the podcast. Escapism. Huh? <laughs> there you go. I mean, another Mean Green podcast is truly my escape from reality. There you go. <laughs> uh, but the reality is that we are always correct. I think um, if we're yep. really looking at things. But yep. yeah, my week has been okay. Also very busy. Had a basketball last night. Uh, the press conference before that. We'll get into basketball later. That was heck of a game, really overtime victory for the mean green but we'll get to that later in the episode i sound a little tired it's because i am overtime games are never fun to report in my opinion you know i think for the fans it's probably more exciting and bro the pit was rocking but i'm just exhausted today man yeah i bet i mean that that was a lot. Again, we're not going to get into it yet. No, no, not not just, getting into yeah, it yet. Not yet. But yeah. Kind of edging, edging our way towards that, you know. Yeah, pause on that. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I was thinking recently. So re- I was going through my, uh, my photo roll recently. So I went back to May and I went a little too far back into May. And I saw pictures of uh, my trip to Ruston. For the softball tournament and i don't know if you remember me going to ruston or to louisiana in may do you remember that yeah so i, I spent I do, like yeah. yeah so the semester ended i took a final for i think poli sci at four p at like 4 p.m right i finished at like 5 50 and then i drive to ruston right yeah and on the way there i don't know if people who are listening have ever driven to Ruston or Louisiana in general. East Texas is the least like lit place in the history of the world. It's pretty bad. Zero lamps. So once you get past like Paris, it's pretty much just trees and God. And as I'm driving down the road, the rain starts, it's pouring. I can't barely see two feet in front of me. It's pretty bad. It's not looking great for me. I'm thinking like 40 times that I'm going to crash. And in Shreveport, when I finally got to society, this guy like spun out in front of me, ran into a divider. I'd sit there for like 30 minutes. It's like 11 p.m. at this point. I pull into Rustin. 
and I, I I thought I booked for the sleep in. So there's two there's two hotels in Ruston. Well, three really, but two that were in my price range at that time. The sleep in and the days in. I thought I was going to the sleep in. I was going to the days in. Mm. And, and there's a big difference between sleep and days in. <laughs> really? So yeah, days in's a little sketch. So I went to days in. The sleep in guy reminded me of Walter White. <laughs> I'm not gonna like he looked exactly like him. Like he legit like he had bald head, had had like a button up that was tucked in, khakis and and glasses. Did he also sell like, meth? Or did he cook meth? No, somebody no. cooked here. No, I don't think he did, but um I asked him, I'm like, oh, I got a, a reservation for Smith. And he's like looking through his his little computer thing. He's like, I don't have a reservation for Smith. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, let me check my reservations. I, I'm like, oh, it's the Days Inn. And he was really nice about it. Gave me directions to how to get to the Days Inn. I'm like, all right, man, appreciate it. Go to the Days Inn. The other guy at the Days Inn was less nice. He was like, here's your key card, night. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, I, that's probably how he asked to be with everybody. Well, it's yeah, it's, it's not that sketchy, I don't understand you know? it. Yeah. Yeah. But I sleep fine. It's all right, you know. But that whole weekend, it was hotter th- than balls out there. It was just like the food around there. The food situation is not great. I, I don't know. You know, I don't think that there's anything great in Ruston, Louisiana. You got yeah. a garbage university. You got a garbage university's football program, which is very bottom feeder. You got um, a very garbage lodging, sleeping, days in. Not very good. And then on top of that, the one cherry on top, garbage weather. I mean, you mm-hmm. have to drive through like a hurricane. Oh, dude, I felt like I was driving through a monsoon. It was insane. And, of course, UNT softball, they got screwed over by a call in that game. And so I came, uh, they, like, made a run to the title. Beat Charlotte, the one seed, played really well, lost because of a BS call in, like, the I think it was the 12th inning. So... That whole trip was just one I'd like to forget, I think. And I just wanted to mention it because, I mean, I take a lot of journalism trips, but that one by far is the worst I've ever been on for a number of reasons, but mostly because it's Rust in Louisiana. I mean, shout out to the LaTeX people. Y'all have been very, very kind to me. I like the people there. I like the people surrounding the university. The city itself, it ain't for me. Yeah, but I, I guess if there's one thing you can take away from it, it's that uh, you can take away the travel experience, right? You got the experience to, uh, you know, book a book a, a hotel or, or an inn and then go drive through torrential rain, a terrible storm. <laughs> and uh, you, you learn. You learn from it. Everything that you do in life is a valid learning experience, whether good or bad. So... You can take it with a grain of salt, and now you get to look back on it and say, oh, well, I survived. It wasn't easy, but I did it. 
And now you look back on it with a, a, a fond memory of, of being kind of like, well, glad I don't ever have to do that again. Yeah, that's, that's a very wise, those are wise words from a man who is a year older than me. Thank you for bestowing your wisdom upon me. I'm not being sarcastic. I know like I sound like I'm being sarcastic, Absolutely. but no, I got you. Yeah. Uh, that's actually really useful. Um, yeah. I, and I did, like, I enjoyed the experience of like, how many times are you going to get to cover a collegiate sport as much as I have? And, you know, I know a lot of people wouldn't make that trip out there to cover cover a softball tournament but you know i believe in being thorough i had the time i had the means and i think that being there was more important than anything and they had mountain dew in the press box that is the only press box i've ever seen that had mountain dew hmm. and that is some premium that is some premium uh beverage in there that have there you've never had a mountain dew well i've also i'm also the same person that has never had a coke before that so. is true. So if you're not going to have a Coke, why would you have a Mountain Dew? That's like, yeah. Yeah. But no, man, I, it makes me think, have you ever had an awful trip or have you just been appreciative of all the places you've been? Um, I think nowadays in the position that I am now, I'm appreciative of all the trips that I've taken. I would say the most difficult trip was by far over the summer when I moved from uh, Denton to Southern California and we drove a U-Haul all the way across the country. Uh, that was not fun. That drive was very boring. Um, driving a U-Haul is not comfortable. And it was very painful at times. Um, painfully long. But we endured it. And we got through the long drive. You, you've taken the drive before, so you know what it's like driving through the desert. Every year, man. Yeah, terrible. Um, but at the same time, I also got to see things that I have really never seen before in my life. Um, when we were driving through New Mexico, I saw mountains for the first time in my life, and I was <laughs> blown away. Literally, because, you know, growing up in, in, in Texas, you don't see mountains unless you're all the way in El Paso, for the most part. Yeah, we live in um, a concrete jungle. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, Texas I, is all flat land. So, when we got to New Mexico, and we were hit with the mountains, I was, like, starstruck. I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. I was like, I get it. I get why people live in areas where there are mountains. And so I say all that as I look out my window right now and I see the silhouette of the giant California mountain in front of me. So anyways, I say all of that as well because it was an experience taking that long, treacherous drive. Um, although it was painful, I did learn a lot it's a great learning experience and i'm very appreciative of it well i mean that's very profound of you and yeah that that drive ain't fun but i think the fruit of the drive was the mountains that you now live next to for uh to give you even more perspective i just looked out my window and all i see is a graveyard and some streets <laughs> That is well, what I'm, of I'm sorry to dark on you, but uh, <laughs> if I look yeah. out my office window, it's my deck. Yeah, well, so, that's why that's why California cost of living is so expensive. So you can step outside and see the mountains. There you go. That's and yeah, I think this is like a. I wanted to start the episode with with that conversation because I think it, traveling is such an interesting thing, and a lot of people like either have a great story or or like a horror story about traveling i have many horror stories but i also have 
really good trips as well. Like when I went to Boston uh, last month, bro, I've never seen so many trees in my life. And oh yeah, they the, they've done a good job at, at and those are like three autumn trees. Like yeah. they actually had fall there, which was insane. Yeah. Um, and when I was there, Casey was like. You see, like, you see how everything is, like, drivable here? Like, you can drive to the next city, and it not, won't take you four years? And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I do. So it was, yeah. it was really nice, I think. It's, it's a Texas thing. You know, it's a Texas it thing that everything, everywhere is spread out to the point where it's, like, 20, 30 minutes away minimum. And the drive there is not scenic at all. No. Like, you know, you talk about, I always think of driving on 35 East. Oh. And there's highway, there's highway signs to your left and right. There's there's signs for uh, for McDonald's and fast food. One of the big reasons why I absolutely cannot stand San Antonio is because it's the biggest highway city I've ever been in. Uh, you know, the minute you hit San Antonio, you're seeing highway signs and, and uh, fast food restaurants and signs to the left and right of you. Meanwhile, there are so many other places in the country um where you look to the left and right of you and you're on the highway, you're on the freeway, and you're greeted with mountains or nature and land uh, as opposed to, uh, you know, industrial buildings and uh, restaurants and, and so forth and gas stations. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, you made it out of the concrete jungle. Maybe I'll follow you someday. I do like living in Texas, though, but it, it isn't the most scenic place to be. I think everyone would agree with that. But Milo, it's been 13 minutes of podcast. I'm checking my time. Check that Let's time. get into the gridiron. No, check that timing. We're going to the gridiron. <laughs> We're going to talk some UTSA, UNT. Man, different week, same exact story. First half, abysmal, awful, bad. Second half, Marginally better. Marginally better. Marginally better. I will say, compared to the last three games um, where UNT first came back, you know, against Tulane, against against Memphis, you felt like the comeback was imminent. Against UTSA, I did not feel at any point like UNT had the upper hand. They were playing no. from behind the entire game, and that was not something they did against Tulane or uh, Memphis. Yeah, I, I think uh, – now I'm going to – full disclaimer, I missed the first half of the game against UTSA, but um, I caught the majority of the second half. Um, I will say this, that when I watched them play Tulane and Memphis, in that second half – in the second halves of both those games, it looked like UNT had the momentum. They had all of the momentum. In the second half of UTSA versus UNT, it looked like UTSA still had their momentum. They still had everything going. And UNT was just, you know, playing catch up, like you said, they're playing catch ball game. So I, I don't think UNT did a good job of taking the momentum away from UTSA in order to kind of maintain that comeback and, and try and, you know, keep pushing forward. For sure. And Chandler Rogers did throw two picks, which, you know, it was his first two of since being a starter and they were tipped passes. It's not like he was misreading a play or 
you know, overthrew or underthrew a player. They were on tipped passes. I think they're pretty unlucky. Obviously don't re- reflect the game or season he's had. Uh, but they did make a huge difference in the game. Especially that second one. I mean, I'm I'm wondering if that second if that second pick was not picked off, right? If it didn't happen, are we looking at a totally different result? Because again, oh, they were sure. they were they were in the red zone, right? They were pretty yeah, close. So the what no, they were yeah, they were like yeah. at the 35, the ball was picked at the 30, and the linebacker ran it back to the nine. So like yeah. You know, yeah, obviously, so Frank was, and the... Yeah, it was almost a pick six right there. But And um, that's the thing, man. Frank didn't even come to play. Like, no. he was not great. 13 for 25, 134 yards, no touchdowns. Didn't turn over the ball, but it was all it was all rushing game once again against UNT's defense. And we've mentioned it every week so far. It's going to be a problem. There's nothing they can do about it at this point. All they can do is try to score more than the other team, but they're not doing that. I mean, it sounds so like stupid. Like, yeah, <laughs> when when you say yes for UNT to win, they must score more than the other team. Like, that's not analysis, but it's true. You know, that's the only way they're going to win because they're not going to out defense anyone they play. Yeah, no, I I don't think so, and um, I think I think it's also reflective and. And the past three games we've seen from them, right? They dig themselves in a hole and they're playing comeback the whole game. So they're trying yeah. to score more. They're trying to literally outplay their opponent offensively. And it's not working. It doesn't work, especially when you don't get off to the right start. Yeah. And they had a quite the mountain to climb. Less less of a mountain than the previous two weeks. But 27-13 at the half. I mean, that's still two scores. Really great defensive third quarter for UNT really a great defensive second half for UNT they just couldn't force a turnover that they needed to maybe get those get that extra position or possession rather that they needed scored 16 points in the fourth quarter turned out to be uh for moot to be honest but the reason I say that this comeback felt like a little more far-fetched than the other ones because it was still a one possession game but the final score, 37-29 UTSA. Even if North Texas gets the ball back and scores, still going to need a two-point conversion. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But um, I think UNT, you know, they're they're pretty damn close to coming back in this game. But They were. I think we, we've said the same thing for the past, what, month now almost, right? Two, three weeks. Uh, they keep playing catch-up, and uh, – I know UNT fans, we're, we're looking for a different outcome. And yeah. it must have been disappointing for them to not get that outcome. Too. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Chandler had a pretty stellar game, if you look back at it. Uh, 20 for 38, 272 yards, two touchdowns. It's those two interceptions that got him. And honestly, you can blame the offensive line again. Without Pabechi Wee-Woo for a second straight <laughs> week. Uh, I know you love that name. Uh, yeah. for a second straight week, the guy was running for his damn life. You know, he had about three seconds, maybe two, to drop back and make his reads. Sacked three times. The interceptions were a result of pressure. Just not a good week for the offensive line. Rodgers was really, really struggling there. 
to just find time to make the plays. You know, if you give him time, he will always make the play. But Chandler, you know, when you have that much time, you you can't do much. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's tough to watch. It's tough to watch because it's a guy that like, you know, week in and week out we're we're recording these podcasts and we're saying he's, you know, he's really talented, but you're not giving him the time to showcase what he can do. You know, you're all, you're forcing him to, to uh, scramble every play pretty much. Yep. So, and yes, he is very great on his legs. Super great on his legs. Great athlete. One of the fastest but he guys. Have to do that all the time. Yeah, one of the he, fastest guys on the team in the open field. But Morris told me yesterday he's not a run guy. Like he's athletic, and if he wanted to, he could run all day long in an offense. But he's not that kind of guy. He's a sit in the pocket, look for his guys, make the reads, and make the throw type quarterback. He's not a runner. Yeah. I, I think that's pretty interesting because I actually didn't know that. You know, yeah. I, I thought he was, I thought he was more so like a dual threat, and uh, you know, didn't, oh, he's, didn't mind doing that. But like, well, well, that's the thing, Milo. He he's definitely a dual threat. He just chooses not to run. So essentially, what you're saying is all these crazy rushes that we've seen from him are not by choice. Well, for the well, no, some like of them not- are, but like. Well, obviously some of them are, but like think about that read option versus Navy where yeah. he kept it. Okay. Yeah. That was, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. he has the capability that if he wanted to, he could rush for like 80 to hundred yards a game. Yeah. I get the it. guy just chooses to be a, a more of a traditional quarterback and man, he did some Houdini acts to get out of some of those sacks yeah. against UTSA that duck and dive move that he does in the pocket. I don't know how anyone ever tackles him. I mean, they really, to bring Chandler down, like you cannot bring Chandler down as a single rusher. You have to be like, you got to have yourself and a couple of your friends on defense to bring him down because the guy just will not go down (laughs) ever. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's fun and painful watching him play, I guess. Got Blair Conright and Trey Cleveland on the touchdown passes both in the fourth quarter. Too little too late there for UNT. Yeah. Just not enough time. Not once again. Sums up the past month of UNT football, though. Pretty much. Such an unlucky three and six. Yeah. And, you know, the, the very rational blog is calling for Morris. So what do they know? They don't know ball. They're calling for him to do what? I'm they're sorry, calling. They're, they're like they're saying worse hire since Dodge. When I was looking over there, it's like dude ain't even close are to you, Todd. Are you kidding me? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but this is a team that was expected to be trash this year. Okay, they were expect. It was a given that they were expected to be trash. The fact that we were sitting there prior to this past weekend, we were sitting here thinking that they could potentially still make a bowl game. They the still could. That, the, yeah, and the fact that we're sitting here saying that should be enough, right? I think Morris has done a phenomenal job at, at least getting them in a fighting position, right? They could be like UTEP right now, okay? UTEP, I know UTEP is not in the American anymore, but uh, or they are in the American still, or I can't, I can't talk. They're still in Conference USA. There, there you go. go. <laughs> but like, 
this UNT team has more than one win. You know, I, I know they've only got three, but and I think they could probably still squeak out another to be, you know, get. I think they're going to squeak out two more, dude. Tulsa yeah. and UAB are bad. Yeah. So uh, there is no reason to be calling for Morris's head. I think this team, this team needs needs work defensively. Everybody knows that. But I think who you really need to be calling for is the defensive coordinator. Okay. Because I know you have been a you've been a rather strong advocate for the defensive coordinator to go. And I think so, because this defense has been trash all year, like we've said. And um, I think they need a shake up there. I think they, they need a shake up there and they probably need to, you know, have another good recruiting class. Uh, I think another asset that we've spoken about is this mean green yeah. team is potentially one good defensive recruiting class away from being dominant yeah and you know whether Capone is the guy going forward or not you know I can't say whether the defense would be better without him or the defense would benefit without Capone um but I can say that the results haven't looked great this season the 335 was an I mean objectively has been a huge flop in the rushing game, just as pretty much everyone predicted. <laughs> yeah. You know, the one thing about this defense this year, is everyone said oh, they're not going to be able to stop the run. And look what's happening. They yeah, have not been able exactly to stop the happened. run. It's exactly what happened. They did not have the personnel for that. And they got athletes on defense. Don't get me wrong. They got talent on defense. They're just running the wrong damn scheme. And, you know, it's such a glaring issue that I'm sure is frustrating for the entire coaching staff that you've already introduced the system. You're not going to change the system at this point in the year. So now you're stuck with it. And every team in the damn country knows exactly how to beat you. Exactly how. Yeah. Just run it down your throat. Yeah, so that's that's kind of sad. And we've seen them do that. We've seen every team take advantage of UNT's, yep. you know, weak rushing defense. So, uh, I don't know. I think something's got to change on the defensive end. But there is plenty of optimism to have if you're a Mean Green fan. I think this For is sure. a team that this is a team that going forward next year, I would expect them to – a bowl game should be given for them next year. If, if they fix up their defensive woes, I think a bowl game for them next year is is definitely um, in the books for them. For sure. And, you know, they're if they have a semi-decent, like, not even good, if they have a defense that can hold teams to under 30 every game, they might make a run at the damn thing. Yeah. Next season, which, you know, obviously how... How cruel is that? That next season will probably be the better year for UNT, and I'll be long gone. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's unfortunate. how unfortunate it is. I imagine a lot of uh, those 2020 grads probably felt like absolute <laughs> when when UNT won the uh, t- the Purdue game in 2021. Oh man, yeah, that's that was rough. Imagine the FOMO. But that was also 
that wasn't my freshman year. That was my sophomore year. Yeah, I think I was going to say was the year we met. Year. Yeah. yeah, that was the year we met. Yeah, wow, what a good story. That was uh, that was amazing. But that's a, a story for a different time. Exactly. We keep teasing basketball, but we're not going to talk basketball for yeah. a little bit. <laughs> we still got a whole game preview to cover. All right. Speaking of game preview, thank you for the segue. SMU, go. the final Safeway Bowl for the foreseeable future. Go read on Mean Green 24-7. I wrote a really good story about it. I am a... But let's talk about the Safeway Bowl. Not looking great for UNT, but I have some good news for you, Milo. Hit me. Preston Stone might not be ready to go, which, let me give you a disclaimer, not good news for the athlete. Obviously, concussion protocol is no joke. I hope that Stone makes a full recovery. Real talented kid. But if Stone Preston is not ready to go, then that is quite the advantage for UNT heading into Dallas. Yeah, I think that's a big advantage, um, but I don't think it changes very much. I think, I, I mean, it changes. <laughs> no, no, like it, it, it changes a lot for SMU, but we have seen UNT's defense get cooked by regardless of whoever's, whoever's at QB. So I, I think. Well, okay. The last time they played a backup QB was um, Temple against Temple. That's right. Yeah. So, and they won that game. They did. So, but Temple is not Temple SMU blows. Not Temple. Like I'm, I'm just Temple use blows. your terminology here. Temple blows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I think it might change a little bit in a sense where SMU will score five, will score four touchdowns as opposed to five, but. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta pump, you gotta pump up, those but... numbers up, brother. Those are rookie numbers. Yeah. They're averaging yeah. forty a game. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's um, that's not gonna be fun for for UNT. No, but Kevin Jennings ain't no slouch. He is a standout from South Oak Cliff. Won a state title with the Golden Bears. He's a he winner. Was a, he was. He was rated a three star record by us. 24-7 sports, and, you know, he's going to be a guy that will probably be their starter in the future someday, and this will be kind of his first opportunity to get some playing time and It'll a full be his game. coming out party against the Mean Green. Yeah, it will be his big, his big opportunity to show what he can do before maybe being a starter in the future, so... I'm expecting Kevin Jennings not to be a slouch. I mean, he was very good in high school. I mean, I don't know if you saw any of those South Oak Cliff games, but he was a dog. No, I didn't see any, but I, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, he Mr. was a dog. Reed, professional scouter. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, they don't let me uh, do star ratings. <laughs> they don't let me recruit. <laughs> but you're the, the ratings adjuster, you're like the, the Madden. Ratings <laughs> I'm, the, I'm Odell Beckham Jr., yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. 
love it or hate it, you are listening to another Mean Green Podcast. But no, Stone being out, possibly a big deal, and man... It's a shame Chandler Rogers is so good at football because what a name matchup it could have been for this week. Preston Stone versus Stone Earl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that, that would have been fun. The Battle of the Stones. Yeah. Going back to the Stone Age. Oh, that, that oh, would have yeah. been a phenomenal headline. It would have. I would have had yeah. a great time writing a story with so many stupid puns for that <laughs> game. But no. It's been taken away from me by Chandler Rogers because he's too damn good at football. So thank you, Chandler. You ruined my cool <laughs> title. Hey, he's half the battle. Stone's also out. So there you go. So yeah, yeah. what what could we do for the Chandler versus Kevin? Yeah, you can't do anything with that. That's very enticing. Yeah. Rogers versus Jennings. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no clever way to put a spin on that. But SMU's defense, they put a clever spin on the football. They are quite the team this year. Uh, first in team defense uh, scoring, they have given up an average of 15 points a game, 15.9 to be exact. But holy moly, <laughs> that's impressive. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Tulane is the closest to them, 19.3 points per game. But, man, SMU's firing on all cylinders. And, hey, hey, Milo, uh, they're also the best passing defense in the American Athletic Conference, and they're the second-best rushing defense in the American. They oh. play defense in Dallas yeah. now so, in front of tens of fans. SMU has big D in the big D. They that are playing some huge D yeah. in the big D. They play great defense, and it all starts okay, they, at the safety <laughs> position. They play big D okay. in the big D. All right. Wearing a big D. There you go. There you go. And in the center of their field, do you know what there is? It's a big D. A big D. Let's go. <laughs> there you go. So everything about SMU screams big D. hey man they don't call them the mustangs for nothing uh safeties (laughs) 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 they they have a great stable of safeties isaiah wakobia uh jonathan mcgill very solid guys you got to look for them when you're passing. You know, like I said, they have the best passing defense in the conference. It all starts at the safety position. They're very solid. But wait, your quarterback ain't safe either. It's not like they're going to let him throw and that's all all they're going to do. Watch out for Elijah Roberts, Miami transfer. Man, seven and a half sacks this season. He's been given quarterbacks nightmares. He's been very good. He only trails Trey Moore in sacks. Uh, UNT got a chance to see Trey Moore last week 
he did Trey more things. He has 12 sacks now on the season, Mr. Moore. But Roberts, very solid. Really from bottom, from front seven to the to the back end of the defense, SMU balls out, dude. And you got to look at this team and go, you know, they're probably the best in the American. I know they have a tendency to choke late in the season, but SMU has been the best team in the American Athletic Conference you this year. And I don't think there's Tulane. much debate on that. You could, Well, you could say that, okay, Tulane only has one loss. They have a better overall record. Tulane lost to Ole Miss. Okay, that's fine. They've been scared in every single game they've played, regardless of the level of competition. I can see that. I can see SMU that. has been I get it. ramming down. Just plowing right through everybody. They've been okay. plowing their opponents. Uh, if we just go ahead and look at this sketchy here. Week one, 38-14 over Louisiana Tech. And then let's just go to their two losses. Uh, 28-11 against Oklahoma. That was in Norman. And then 34-17 at TCU. TCU's not a great team this year. That one looks a lot worse than the loss in Norman. Um, But then you get into conference play, and you go, holy Moses. So they beat Temple 55-0 in October 20th. Um, And do you know how they followed that up, Milo? No. No, no big deal. Just beating uh, Tulsa 69-10. Oh, I remember that. I remember 69 the score at the 10. half was insane. It, they were on track to score 100 points. Yeah. It was like 52 nothing, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. I believe it was 52 nothing. Uh Stoner or Stoner. Sorry. Uh, Preston Stone. Rather, so much stone going on. Uh, threw for 371 yards that game. And then they beat Rice barely. And there's a couple of caveats to that Rice win. So Preston Stone left, concussion protocol. JT Daniels also got injured. So could that game have gone a little bit differently for either team? Probably. Yeah. Um, You know, I, I think this, you mentioned SMU dominating through conference play. I don't think SMU should have been in the American this season at all. I well, always they couldn't, they couldn't get out. Yeah, yeah, from the jump, it always seemed like they were. I mean, it's not that they. It seemed like it is that they were the leftover. You know, they they were the leftovers in a sense where all the other good teams left the American. They were the only ones there that stayed, and this is no no discount to, uh, no mean to discredit Tulane at all, but. Um, SMU, UCF, Houston, all those schools that Cincinnati, all the schools that left the American, um, they didn't really belong. It seemed like they were ready to graduate and move on from the American. And they did. And SMU also was one of those that, you know, it seemed like they were ready to move on. And the fact that they got left behind for one more year, I think we all could smell this coming. With oh, for sure. CUSA 2.0 coming in. SMU is going to have a field day just running over everybody. And, and you really exactly think those rich SMU boosters would have let them stay in the American for one more year? No. For no, sure. I, I mean, absolutely not. I, I think uh, it's a school where, you know, their, boost, their rich boosters are going to, you know, boost them up into 
their next conference, which is the, uh, the ACC. And that's, you know, that's a story for a whole different time. Well, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with them. They, they raised $100 million because SMU is foregoing nine years of television yeah, that, profit. That was insane. So I, I don't know. It might be worth it for them being in the, uh, the Atlantic, but um, they're going to they're gonna have a rough couple of years. I will say yeah. that they're going to have a rough couple first years there, but so they can enjoy their, their American dominance while they still have it. I'm sure years from now when they're playing like trash in the uh, ACC, they'll look back and be like, Oh, well, we won the American this year. We were the American champs and that'll be their last championship for a while. For sure. I'll say that much. I think so as well. It's going to be a huge adjustment for the Mustangs. And it's kind of ironic. They're not proud to be American. You heard it here first. Yeah, for a team that's red, white, and blue, not wow. very American, not very patriotic. Yep, not very patriotic at all. Let's go to Vegas. The money line, SMU by 17. Generous or about? Come famous? on, that's all you got? That's all you got? <laughs> Come on. I, I mean, SMU by 25. We, My God! In twenty twenty five, around there, can we say that? I, I I'll give so. you my score prediction in a second, but let's first get that over under sixty seven and a half. Hmm. Interesting. All right, what's your score prediction, Mila? Uh, forty three seventeen. Holy moly! <laughs> twenty six points. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I, I think we're looking at a, a, you know, more around forty or forty something points for SMU, and and I I think UNT's getting less than twenty. I mean, this is a this is a stellar SMU defense, um, and you know I I could be generous and say that SMU might score a tad bit under 40. I mean, you know, we could be looking at anywhere from 35 to, to 40, of course. But I will stand by my prediction. I'll go SMU 43 and uh, UNT 17. I think UNT's offense has something to say. They're not winning this game. We've been saying it for three straight weeks. There's no way they win this <laughs> game. I don't think they will. I'm going to go 48 24. Good Lord, 48? You're 40. dogging on me for, for having them put up 40, and you go 48. So I Okay, I, so I, think I think six so. touchdowns, two field goals would be generous. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's then, fair. But either way, we've, we've both got SMU putting up over 40. Yeah, I don't think there's any possible way SMU doesn't drop less than – I'll say 38. Yeah. Could I be think, 30. Um, I think they're going to get torched by a QB wanting to prove something. I think I th so. I, well. I think that's going to happen. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised. Here's my bold claim. No knock on Preston Stone. But I think that this SMU team is going to play better offensively um, with their backup QB with coming in. for his first game. I think he's going to put on a show. I think he'll put on a show and this, no, I, I'm not saying again, I'm not saying that this SMU team 
going forward is going to be better with this guy at the moment. I'm just saying for this game this week on Friday, this game on Friday, game is on Friday. This game in particular, because it is because it is his first game, I think he's going to ball out, and this SMU team is going to put up better offensive numbers. So he this has game, played before, but this is his first start. Okay, yeah. So I, still, my point stands. I think he's going to ball out, and I think UNT is going to fall victim to a QB wanting something to prove. Yeah, I think that's a fair uh, fair assumption. Uh, we should note that Preston Stone is a game time decision. We will see. Um, okay. But either way, I don't care if I'm taking quarterback for SMU. <laughs> I, th- I think they beat UNT. The defense of UNT just does not have anything for them. I don't think. You think you think you can get a couple snaps in? I think I could complete a pass or two. I, I think so. I think so. <laughs> you know, it's UNT's defense. I just like beeline it up the middle. Yeah, yeah. With your with with a big D on your helmet. With a big yeah. D on my helmet, yes, sir. You run it across the big D. I would run across the big D with a big D on my helmet in the big D. Correct. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You've been waiting for it all episode. It's time to talk some UNT men's basketball. What an elating victory for Ross Hodges' first of his Division I head coaching career. Man, Milo, it was elating. 83-77 in overtime. What a show Aaron Scott put on. 26 points, career high. Four three-pointers career high the two free throws to bring it to overtime what are your thoughts on last night so before i get into unt's performance i just want to say northern iowa i'm sorry i wasn't familiar with your game (laughs) because i me being the casual that i am i didn't know about northern iowa okay so i didn't you know i i thought they were bums i'm not gonna lie and I don't know if you saw, I, I did reply to someone on UNT Twitter talking about the attendance. And I was like, it's because we're playing bums. I wouldn't show up either. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry. I wasn't familiar with your game. Um, I didn't realize that these guys had a, a ton of success in the March Madness level. Um, and they're a very, yeah, they, very they beat Texas level. on a half court shot in yeah. 2000. And I want to say 14. It was bad. Yeah. That was a bad. Yeah. Night so, so um, I bet I was not familiar with it, but so I did my background research and I can say that that's a pretty big first win for Ross Hodge and the mean green um, heading to, to start off the season. I think the team looked pretty good. I think the team definitely played good under Hodge. Maybe it's just me, but they looked a little bit quicker than they did under McCaslin. I think so as well. Yeah. So I, think so as well. I, 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 I definitely, that was interesting to see. That was definitely interesting to see. Um, and it's funny, again, as I'm sitting there, I, I, I was catching the game. Um, I caught little bits of the first half, and then when the second half hit, I was able to fully watch that. Um, but in the first half, I kept seeing, I was like, damn, they're still losing it. These guys are still down. This game is still close. When are they going to run away with it? These guys are bums. And so, you know, it, it came right down to the wire. And – um, you know, reasonably so. This was a yeah. challenge for North Texas, and they handled it. Yeah, um, and you know, I, I think. Go ahead. Yeah, so just kind of adding on to what you said about you know 
oh, wow, the UNI is still in it. I mean, it was 38-36 UNT at halftime. Really shouldn't have been. They just were not playing the best defense. They were bringing out physical. Every hustle stat went to UNI in the first half. It was really the shooting that saved North Texas. They shot at a very high rate uh, in the first half. You kind of mentioned it there that they were scoring a little bit quicker than they did under McCaslin. It looks like that offense is a little quicker, and I think that is because the players are a little quicker. You look at the the uh, makeup of the roster this year, and you look at the makeup of it last year. You know, Tyler Perry, not a very quick player. Kai Hunsberry, not a very quick player. You bring in guys like um, like John Bugs, uh, Jason Edwards, Ruben Jones. We know quick slashing type player. You bring in those guys, they're gonna play a little bit quicker because those guys are just faster in the way they play. CJ Norland, pretty quick guy. And, you know, that's increased the the pace of the offense. And if you ask me, that's a good thing for fans. That's absolutely. I mean, fan, fans go to the games. They want to see some exciting basketball. They don't want to see a snooze fest. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I understand that this – Mean Green team won championships based on, you know, having one of the slowest offenses in the nation. But fans want to see some high-octane ball. And I think, like you said, they did a good job of bringing in some guys that that provide that. Um, you mentioned Ruben. I know Ruben Jones has been with the Mean Green for a long time. Uh, watching him last night was very interesting because – the player that he is now is most definitely not the player that he was his freshman year. Uh, I, I remember watching him his freshman year, and I also did it. You know, I I did a couple uh, broadcast stories on him, and I remember writing about him too. Um, he always had, always had the potential to be good, and I think watching him last night, he definitely he looked good. He, he looked did. good, and and it kind of reaffirmed that his progression has been. It's been good. It's been been good to watch, and and you can definitely tell that he's he's become a leader on this team. Uh, him, for him, sure. and Aaron Scott. Yeah, for sure. I was about to say that A. Scott and Ruben are me. I mean, those are the clear leaders of this ball team. And man, isn't just a little bit like it pulls at the UNT heartstrings a little bit. Like when these guys first started, you know, they were the little guys, you know the Zach Simmons is of the world where he's still here and the Javian Hamlets, the Tyler Perry's. Yeah. You know, you know I, I remember Ruben, he coming off the bench in uh, March madness. So actually he didn't play. He didn't play in March madness. He was injured. Season. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I remember him being a, uh, a bench player that season. That was his, his first year. Um, so it's just, it's, it's interesting. And in a sense, it's a reminder of, of how long, I've kind of been associated with UNT. I yeah, guess. I mean, I like, dude, wow. it's, it, it's, it's been, been a, a very long time for you and I. I'm heading to year four involved in UNT yeah. athletics. So, <laughs> yeah, God, so, I, it, crazy. But yeah. anyways, getting back to the game, I think um, I think this is, this is a good win. It's a very good win. I think that ten and zero run definitely. I. It made a difference. The 10 0 run that they had in the second half, it made a big difference. It essentially it got them in a position to potentially close out the game. Of course, that 10 0 run did not last, and you and I came back. 
but they still gained momentum from that that helped them win the game. They did. And, and yeah. Yeah, it was an inopportune scoring drought uh, for sure at the end of the second half. But they got their guy, Aaron Scott, to the line on that final offensive possession. They got a couple of lucky bounces there at the end, man. Yeah. <laughs> at the oh, end of yeah. regulation. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember I was I was watching. I think I texted in, in our group chat, and I totally expected that to go in, that last second shot. Oh, for sure. Nate Heisey, yeah. that, he, that he had a great look. And then – you know, their second guy, uh, Bo, uh, Bowen Bourne, I believe was his name. Bowen Bourne put that shot up, and I'm like, well, there's game. Missed it as well. Rebounded. End of regulation. Overtime. And you said uh, it was a great win. I completely agree. Um, I mean, you and I is a very solid mid-major team. A lot of people regarded them as the third best mid-major this season. Yeah. So, See, I didn't, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Which is my bad on me for being a casual, but <laughs> I I didn't even know that. But I no. think when you mention that, it's amazing that this team did not quit, right? You know, they they had that 10-0 run, and they went up substantially, and they lost that lead, but they didn't give up, yep. right? They forced the overtime, and in overtime, the team looked comfortable. In, heading into overtime, I was confident that they would pull out the win. Well, it did, because, there was never a point yeah. that you felt like they weren't going to win, I feel like. Well, yeah. Being there, the vibes were like yeah. UNT had the momentum. They let the game go. It was not yeah. you and I dominated them. They absolutely turned the tables. It was UNT just let the game go there. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think it was a good game. Definitely a phenomenal way to start off the season, build momentum off that huge win, and uh, hopefully they can put together some wins, right? Yeah, and I think that they will. I was very impressed by this game. I mean, a round of applause for Ross Hodge because these guys, I know they've been together for a lot of the offseason, but obviously when you get into the real season, it's a whole different thing. It's a whole new ball game. Those guys were playing like they've been playing together for years, and that's yeah. just attributed to the culture of the team. Obviously, McCaslin laid the groundwork here. But it's Ross Hodge's job now, and you know he's kind of making his own imprint on the Mean Green for sure. Maybe he's proven me wrong because I remember last week I said that men's basketball is not going to perform as well as they did under under McCaslin. So I do remember. Maybe you just that. maybe I might have to eat my words. I know it's game one, but if they look anything like they did last night going forward, I think I might I might have to eat my words a little bit. Gotcha. You should. I I think they'll be a lot better. Like I said, I think they'll continue to do well. Let's look at the box score real quick. Man, Nate Heisey dropped 20 points. He led the way for UNI. I already mentioned Aaron Scott, career highs, 26 points, led the mean green quickly, closely followed by Jason Edwards, guard from Dodge City Community College. Is he the next big thing to come from JUCO for UNT? I think so. Uh, 19 points in his debut for the Mean Green. His first D1 collegiate shot was a three. That's a flex. That's uh, clutch. 15 points for number 15, Ruben Jones. CJ Nolan, 11. Uh, and rounding out the scoring was Robert Allen with seven. He had that electric dunk that went all around social media. John Bugs added five. A little bit of a disappointing 
start for John Bugs and his Mean Green career, but I think he'll get it going. Yeah, I I think so. He's got he's got what a uh, twenty something more games to go. Uh, more than that. More than that. So yeah, I, I can't fun. tell you off the top of my head, but. Yeah, I think UNT men's basketball, that's about as good as you could start it. Obviously, you would have preferred not to go to overtime, I'm sure. But still got the win over a really good Northern Iowa team. Held them off at the end. That's what counts at the end of the day. It still says 1-0 in the box score. But Milo, God, where's my clock? I can't find it. Clock. Do you hear that ringing? Do you hear the alarm ringing? I, I do. Oh, there it is. It's time for your take, Milo, and to check that time. That's timing. right. Check that time, and it's time for my take. Better check that timing. It's time for Milo's take. Tyler Perry oh. transferred to Kansas State in the offseason. He did. Uh, sticking on the, on the subject of basketball, I think Tyler Perry, he had a phenomenal performance last night in his first um, P5, or major, I should say, yeah. his first major contest against usc um southern california really good opponent there and um 22 points six assists and six rebounds my take for this episode i think tyler perry's performance is good it's a good reflection of the mean green i don't think there should be any debate there i think him putting up a stat line like that him proving that he can run with the big boys in major competition is a good sign that UNT is a powerhouse um, mid-major school in develop or developing and pumping out high quality athletes. I think it's a good step in the right direction. I agree. And, you know, he was doing a good job protecting the rock. Only one turnover on the night. Wasn't great from the field, about 30%, but 22 points on a debut he was a bright spot for That's a impressive. widely negative game for Jerome Tang and the Wildcats. Uh, 82-69 loss to the Trojans, Andy Enfield, uh, Bronny James, obviously not playing, but the star power is there for USC. But Tyler Perry was right there next to him. Next to all that star power, Tyler Perry was balling out. Yeah, I like I said before, I think it's always good, and I, I also don't think that there's um, – I don't think there's any mean green fan preying on his downfall after no. what he did for the university. Um, but, yeah, like, like I said, I, I think it's it's a good sign for UNT. And even though he transferred, it still shows that, hey, this guy came from this school, and this school was pretty dominant with him and even before he got to the university. So uh, – I think it's a bright spot, and I think North Texas should continue to pump out athletes of his caliber. Yeah, and Um, I think they will under Hodge. Yeah, I I think so. I think that doing that also helps bring a little bit more attention, a little bit more media attention, too, because I'm sure on that that broadcast last night, they're mentioning Tyler Perry, transfer from North Texas. They won the NIT last year. He hit a clutch shot over Jelly Walker to win it. So yep. uh, it definitely it brings good attention to the university. It Even does. though he transferred, he's no longer with the program anymore. Some might view that as a negative thing. For me personally, I think it's a positive thing. You should be happy. 
be happy that he was there and left an impact on the school. Yeah, and I completely agree with you, Milo. I mean, Tyler Perry's impact on the school cannot be underrated. I think it's he had more of an impact than Javian Hamlet, and I know that is a very unpopular opinion because Javian Hamlet was the leader in that uh, March Madness run. But Tyler Perry, man, everything the UNT asked of him and what they needed him to do, he was able to do it and do it well. He was a great shooter. He was a great guy in the community. You could tell it tore him apart to leave, but it was a business decision. You know, basketball players are businessmen at the end of the day. And it was just a better business idea for Tyler Perry after doing everything he could at UNT to go to K-State. And I think that that deserves a lot of respect from fans. He certainly gets a lot of respect from me as a journalist. Always was a very good interview. Very nice kid to talk to. Yeah, I, I just, I'm really impressed that he is able to do the same stuff that he did at North Texas and translate it to the major level. I, and I, I know it's just been one game, but this shows that he's capable of doing it. He can get there. Um, and it, I mean, it's just, it's good to see. It's good it to is. see because I, I think we've seen this happen so many times with North Texas. They have a lot of good athletes that come in, whether it be football basketball they have good athletes but they stay with north texas and they don't they don't progress they don't grow and um it 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 hinders their chances of 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 potentially going pro and and uh you know having a career after college uh and so to see someone like perry take the initiative transfer and then continue his dominance at the major level it's good stuff it is, and, uh, and I'm going to be looking forward to seeing him play for Jerome Tang in Kansas State all year. They didn't start on the right note, but I believe that they'll figure it out this season. It's really early in the season to be making predictions, and yeah. I think judging anything off a of first game is not the correct thing to do. But thank you for your take, Milo. We agree again. You need to have like a, an insane take next week that will make me argue with you again. Yeah, I, I wanted to throw I wanted to throw a softball your way this week. So. Well, I, I hit it out of the park. So yeah, thank you for the softball. Yeah, cornball of the week time, Milo. I'll go first today. Uh, I think we all know where this is going. Yeah, Alex Grinch fired at USC. Good. Adios, cornball. What Good. a cornball! You ruined Caleb Williams's. Final the demise of Caleb Williams' collegiate career. Caleb Williams' college career is dead, and Alex Grinch is standing there with a shovel. It's his fault. It is. Grinch. (laughs) (laughs) The Grinch Grinch stole freaking Caleb Williams' career. The Grinch that stole Williams' playoff win. His playoff appearance, not even a win. Not even an appearance. Didn't even... Caleb Williams, unless he plays a bowl this season, which I highly doubt if they make a bowl, he'll play in it. Maybe he will. Maybe I'm wrong. I doubt it. Um, they Well, they are in a bowl, but will he play it? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, think at, at, I think at that point, he's probably sitting out. Yeah. You're cooked, Alex Grinch. You were fired a year too late. You are the epitome of wasting good talent because you couldn't get a team with the best player in college football. You couldn't just allow less than 30 points. 
if USC's defense is even marginally better than they are this season, you USC's know, probably going playoff. It's very sad that we're not going to see Caleb Williams in the college football playoff. Because, and we were literally talking about it a couple episodes ago. We said it would be a shame for Caleb Williams to go his entire collegiate career and not be in the college football playoff at all and not, not make an appearance there, especially because he's being coined as the next great, the next, I've heard the word generational being thrown out. Thrown yeah, out. you heard it from me. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, not just from you, but from a lot of people, they're coining him as the next Patrick Mahomes, essentially. And so to see a guy of his caliber not even sniff the college football playoff, I mean, that's disappointing. You're not putting him on the biggest stage, right? I mean, everybody's heard of him and seen him before, but putting him on the biggest stage, letting him ball out is, I mean, that, that's that's really the, the epitome of it all. I think it if you look at Trevor, Trevor Lawrence with Clemson when he was supposed to be the next big thing, um, he was always making college football playoff appearances as well with Clemson. I mean, they did it with back-to-back years, right? So, and that was, that was good for him as well. That was extremely good for him. Um, Allows him to showcase his talent even more on an, on the biggest stage possible. And for Caleb to not even get a sniff of that, it's disappointing. You're robbing college football fans of that, that opportunity. You are. And it's going to go down as one of the biggest what ifs in college football history. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. Um, I know this, this is a little bit of a, a different comparison, but the situation with Caleb Williams definitely reminds me of in the NHL. You got Connor McDavid, the best hockey player in the world, and he's playing for the Edmonton Oilers, who have consistently not been very good. Um, yeah. I, I mean, they made the playoffs. They've had 50 wins before with Connor, but they've never really accomplished anything. No, no cup finals appearances. The, the closest they've gotten was a, a Western Conference final appearance, and they got swept. Damn. So, I, I mean, and they got the best player hockey has seen since probably, I, I don't even know, since uh, since probably Sid Crosby, really. Yep. So, uh, it's the same thing with Caleb Williams. I mean, one of the best college football quarterbacks you've seen in a long time. And, uh, no, nothing to show for it, really. I mean, yep. aside from one Eisman. So, yep. Yeah, it's got to think Shohei on the Angels. But, yeah, I'm, very too, yeah. I'm very excited to hear your cornball of the week, Milo. Oh, my cornball of the week is a very funny one. Um, shout out to our dear friend, um, Caleb Yum, for bringing this to our attention. But there is a journalist by the name of Howard Beck uh, reporting for The Ringer. Uh, I'm assuming that they're a sports media outlet, I think. They are. Um, he wrote a story on James Harden and how Harden requested a trade. And just, I mean, James Harden in general, how he has requested a trade from numerous teams and has been bounced around. Um, Harden, of course, I am not the biggest fan of him. I mean, I think he's, he used to be a phenomenal ball player, um, but I think ever since he's left the Rockets, he just has not been, he hasn't been right. And I think Howard Beck summarizes Harden perfectly in this excerpt from his article. And I quote, When Harden lost faith in the Nets, they traded him to Philadelphia at his request so that he could join Joel Embiid 
And when Harden lost faith in Sixers coach Doc Rivers, they fired him. This is the kicker. And still, Harden wasn't satisfied. If this were a children's book, Harden would be the very hungry caterpillar. Except instead of chewing holes through apples, plums, and leaves, he chews through teammates, coaches, and franchises. And instead of turning into a butterfly, he just devolves into an increasingly embittered caterpillar, unable to evolve at all. My God. Wow. Good That's, Lord. Yeah, that it, it, good Lord is exactly the way to describe it because there was um, Caleb sent us a quote tweet of this excerpt um, from someone by the name of Josh Eberly. And he said the exact same thing. His quote tweet was just good Lord. Um, let me be clear. My cornball is the journalist um, Howard Beck for phrasing that because that's i mean that's a it's kind of a i, I mean that's a cornball way to describe it but i agree with the cornballiness whoa a positive cornball of the week it's a positive cornball of the week because i'm not a fan of james harden i do think it's a little bit skeptical to 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 uh describe a professional athlete like that i think that's a little bit cornballish to do um, but mad props for being creative and and uh, coming up with that. Harden would be the very hungry caterpillar. <laughs> I mean, that's hell of a way to describe it. That is, but that's that's funny. I figure that would make for some great content here <laughs> on Cornball of the Week. Yeah, uh, I think that belongs on Cornball of the Week. Whether James Harden is your Cornball or the Rider, it belongs there. Yeah, it it definitely belongs there. Um, yeah, I, hard James Harden. We could spend we could spend a we lot could. of time talking about that. Between you know his requesting trades to strip clubs to, I mean, just calling out the general manager of his team. But that's the NBA for you. Yep, that is the NBA in a nutshell. And that will be our episode in a nutshell, man, because we've been going for an hour and nine there you minutes. Go. Yeah. All right, what are you doing this weekend? This weekend, I'm uh, going to continue being a tourist uh, yep. in Southern California. Uh, we're going to check out the uh, the Hollywood sign. What? Well, hey. Yep, going to go check out the Hollywood sign, the Walk of Fame. And um, I think there's a couple more touristy things that we're probably going to do. Uh, the Observatory as well, the Griffith Observatory. Uh. Probably going to go check that out too. <laughs> I've been to Every that. time I think of that, I think of the GTA bit. Davey. Yep. <laughs> yep. I was going to say, it will be my second time visiting the observatory. Are you going uh, to fly fl- into it with a blimp and then roll <laughs> into it? <laughs> Davey. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to incriminate myself here, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that will be my second time visiting, the first time being in GTA 5. There you go. Um, so last weekend, I was a tourist. I visited the Santa Monica Pier. Like I said, I delivered on my promise that I would do that. Uh, I did. It looked exactly similar to what I remember doing in GTA. I remember driving a car at mock speed through the pier (laughs) and then diving into the ocean. So I did not do that. I did not do that in real life. Okay, good. it It was definitely good to check it out and see what the hype was all about. So hopefully I can do the same this weekend. There you go. And GTA 6 finally coming out is what uh, the streets have been saying. Big W. 
Uh, this weekend, I will be reporting SMU on a freaking Friday. Are you kidding me, AAC schedule on a Friday? I'm doing a football game for the morning news with John Fields tomorrow. The first game we've reported together since the 2021 Frisco football classic. That'll be a grand time. Then Saturday, I'm going to Waco for my brother-in-law's birthday. Um, good times to be had this weekend. You're a tourist. I'm a journalist. We are another Mean Green podcast, and we do appreciate you all for listening. Yeah, you can find us on Apple Music, Spotify, and SoundCloud. It's also posted all over Mean Green 24-7. Uh, if you touch a story at the bottom, more than likely we have embedded the episode there. Also check me out on Twitter, read underscore 20, Smith 25. Milo is simply Milo's Tweets. Exactly That's how right. exactly Come how it check sounds. Me out. At my yep. tweets. If you like I his hot takes text. on here, you'll love him on Twitter. Uh, and then also check out Mean Green 24-7 on Twitter at Mean Green 24-7. That's where you're fond all our episodes posted first. So check that out. And if you are not a VIP, what the hell, man? It is basketball season now, so it is VIP season. I make many of my basketball stories VIP stories, and you do not want to miss the rise of the Ross Hodge era at UNT. So subscribe to Mean Green 24-7 and get exclusive content like By the Numbers for away and basketball games that North Texas plays where we look at games by the numbers, giving facts and figures about the Mean Green's win or loss. Thank you for listening this week. Milo and I appreciate you so much. Big game for UNT this weekend. SMU, final Safeway Bowl. Bowl. Money, TV, it's all happening. It's the big D. We'll catch you next week.